Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of uh, NFL on 24-7 Sports podcast. Usually this is the AFC North podcast, but we're going to pretty much break it down to Steelers-Browns this week. My name is Brian Diardo. So glad that you're joining us. Josh Edwards of Brown, Cleveland Browns on 24-7 Sports will be joining us as well. Um, I'm the Steelers writer. It's been an exhausting day. Uh, I'm not sure what day you're listening to this on, but we are broadcasting from Wednesday midweek. Uh, it was an eventful one for the Steelers. Um, as they prepare for Sunday's game without Le'Veon Bell. Now, one of the, I don't want to say a hoax, but, but one thing that uh, I should clarify is that he has not been ruled out, Le'Veon, for Sunday's game. You know, Mike Tomlin said on Tuesday that they're going to evaluate Le'Veon whenever he shows up. And if that's, you know, today, you know, they were hoping Wednesday, but um, if it was Wednesday, they were going to evaluate him, see how he, how he looked, and then go from there. Uh, but he has not been ruled out for Wednesday, but uh, for Sunday rather, but at this point it looks like that is going to be the case. Uh, Josh, how are you doing, bud? Uh, it's been a while since we've talked. We were in the midst of training camp last time we did a podcast. Now here we are <laughs> right about to start the regular season. So how's it been going for you over in uh, – over in the, the you know Cleveland, gone pretty well, man. There's been a lot to discuss here with you know the five hard knocks episodes, obviously the Michael Kendricks inside trading, um, and then that's really all on top of all these roster moves that you get with the practice squad, the active roster, um, you know the waiver claims, just all the madness that we saw this weekend. Um, so it's been you know there's never a dull moment or time that you can cover the Browns, but it certainly has been more of an uptick over the past month, month and a half than maybe what we've seen in years past. So it's definitely been interesting. Yeah. And it's funny because we, we were just talking off air, um, you know, news is usually not very dull around the Steelers, but you know, this year it was kind of, you know, old hat that Le'Veon wasn't going to be around. He wasn't around last year in the summer. And Tomlin addressed it like, you know, the first day of training camp. Then he he said, you know, I'm, I'm done with the Le'Veon talk. And the Steelers, Steelers media in large kind of respected it and moved on. And, I, you know, I was at training camp for about a third of the time, uh, you know, six or eight days, uh, or, you know, d- during the summer. And, you know, seldom was heard a discouraging word about Le'Veon. You know, he, was, he wasn't there. And it was kind of business as usual. Um, and, and then today everything kind of blew up. But it was funny because it was like, you know, typically the Steelers are the ones with all the news, but it seemed like, you know, because of hard knocks, the Browns were uh, in the news a lot. Um, I only caught the first episode, which was kind of, uh, you know, among the things that were going on. And Hugh Jackson was dealt with two, you know, big, you know, personal losses. I, I want to say his brother and his mother. And then, you know, that was, I think, one of the main storylines. And obviously you have the rookie quarterback and Baker Mayfield. You've got the veteran Tyrod Taylor. Um and then you've got your, you know, I remember one meeting with, with Todd Haley, and he used the Tomlinism, living in your fears. And him and Hugh, and it kind of showed Haley's kind of combative personality, very passionate, and, and Ben said that on his radio show today. You know, what you see is what you get from Todd, you know, the good and the bad. Um, what did you take away from Hard Knocks? I mean, again, I only watched one episode. We'll get to Le'Veon, we'll get to a lot of stuff on this podcast, and we're glad that everybody's joining us Um Steelers and Browns play Sunday, 1 o'clock in Cleveland. Second year in a row that the Steelers and Browns are going to kick off the season in Cleveland. Um, what did you take from Hard Knocks, though? I thought it was really enjoyable. I mean, it started out kind of slow, in my opinion, with the first episode. I felt like they were kind of setting up some of the characters that were going to become 
larger larger focal points over the course of the series, but it was very entertaining from a sense of getting to see that perspective of the NFL game. Um, you know, I think it was one of the better hard knocks that we've seen, and I understand that I may come across as a little biased, but there seems to be a general outpouring of support that this was one of the better hard knocks because Cleveland did allow a little bit more access than what some other teams have done in the past. Josh Gordon arrives from Florida to report to the team. Cameras were waiting for him in the airport. Des Bryant, same thing. He shows up for his visit in Cleveland. Guess who's waiting for him in the airport? A bunch of hard knocks cameras. All of that stuff was captured by that crew, and it just added this extra layer of sort of feeling that you were getting inside information, that you were getting this this never-before-seen look at what actually goes on on a daily basis within a football team. So I thought it was just really entertaining in general. I thought Todd Haley was um, incredibly entertaining in his own right, um, you know, whether he's making fun of kickers or making fun of former defensive end Carl Nassib, you know, whatever yeah. it was. I felt like Carl, Carl or Todd Haley just added this extra level of kind of humility to the whole show. And I, I didn't have a problem with Haley. Um, I mean, maybe some of his play calls, and, and I think Browns fans will see it this year. Maybe not, um, you know, because he's got a different, um, you know, obviously he's got a different uh, core, you know, weapons than Cleveland, different different group, personnel is the word I was looking for. Um, but, you know, in terms of him being, you know, in terms of a personality, he, he, he can come off as combative, but he's colorful, he's passionate, he knows what, what – and that's, the, you know, the one episode that I watched, that's what I got out of it. You know, when he's having that meeting with you and they're kind of going back and forth with, should we rest all these guys? And he's kind of like, you know, we have so much to get done. He's been a head coach. He was an OC when the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl 10 years ago. You know, he's, he's been on – he was on a Steelers staff that won three out of the last four AFC titles. I mean, his, I want to say he was the Steelers OC for six seasons. I mean, they won the, the division half those years or more than half those years actually and, and – he was, he was a, I would say, an instrumental part of that. But, you know, I, I don't think Ben liked being treated as, as a subservient. And I think in large, that's kind of how he felt with Todd Haley. And I think he kind of needed somebody that he kind of felt more like a coworker with. And I think that's what he got in, in Finkner. But uh, Ben won't have Le'Veon Bell. And, uh, and and one last thing on Hard Knocks, you know, it, it was well-received, right? I mean, it, it seems like everybody – I actually had a friend that I spent time with last night that, that – you know, not the most diehard of Bengal fans, but but that is where his NFL loyalties lie. And he said, "Man, I might be a, a bandwagon Browns fan now." <laughs> but it, it seems like not just the, the Cleveland fan base, but it seems in large like it was a successful uh, hard knock season, maybe more successful than uh, than than most. Yeah, I, I've always been a fan of the hard knock series. I enjoyed it, you know, last year with Tampa Bay. I enjoyed it in the years prior, whether it was the Falcons or the Bengals or you know, whoever it might have been. I've always enjoyed the series. I think they do a fantastic job. Um, For the reasons that I said earlier, I think it was just more appealing to fans because they got to see a different side of how things operate in the NFL. Um, I've seen a lot of people that, you know, are not necessarily Browns fans that kind of feel the same way. ESPN's Adam Schefter, NFL Network's um, Ian Rappaport, both of those guys have, have come out and said that this was one of the best seasons of Hard Knocks ever, and I think there's certainly reason reasons to support that. I thought it was very entertaining. Um, I 
you know, don't obviously know quite as much what it would have looked like from the perspective of somebody that wasn't, you know, covering the Browns on a daily basis. I don't really get that kind of view of the whole situation. But for me, just being a a, a huge football fan, I thought it was incredibly entertaining. I can't imagine how anybody did not find it to be incredibly entertaining, but everybody's got their opinion. I'm sure there are some people that didn't care for it. I just don't happen to be one of them. Yeah, and, you know, again, the only one I think I've actually watched in its entirety was the 2010 Jets, and I was a big Rex Ryan guy, and that team in general had a lot of personalities, Braylon Edwards, LT, um, Lillian Tomlinson, uh, not the LT, um, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, overall it seemed like it was very well received. But, um, you know, one player that we won't be talking about Sunday, or at least on the field, is, is Le'Veon Bell. Um, again, you know, the Steelers um, – have not officially ruled him out. And that's kind of the thing today if you're trying to, you know, and again, maybe by the time you listen to this podcast, whenever you listen to it, um, things might be, things might have already changed. But as it stands Wednesday evening, the Steelers haven't ruled him out. And on, you know, Mike Tomlin on his Tuesday press conference was like, you know, whenever he gets here, we're going to, we're going to evaluate him and, and we'll see what he could do. So again, I would say I'm 80, 90% positive. He's not going to play. But who knows? If, again, if he comes in on Thursday and signs his, um, you know, tag, and the Steelers look at him and they're like, okay, you could do some spot work, you could get, you could, you could spell James on a few carries, James Conner, then that might be what he does. But you know, I, I think in general the Steelers' offense isn't going to change a lot, even if he would have shown up today. Um, I think they were comfortable going ahead and having James Conner be the starter, and I think that. Uh, you know, that's the direction they were going to go in anyways. I mean, James showed it this summer. He looked great. Um, and I think that that's kind of where uh, the Steelers were going to go regardless. But, you know, there definitely is, um, you know, a lot of uh, – there was a lot of hostility with regards to Bell today in the locker room. Um, a lot of upset Steelers, you know, specifically the offensive line, DeCastro, Pouncey, Guys that had previously had his back, it seemed like they were led to believe through group text messaging that he was going to come back. And it's funny because it just it, it seems like, you know, they were fine with him using his leverage during training camp in the preseason when regular season games weren't on the line. But now that he's kind of crossed that threshold, it, it seems like now it's kind of like, okay, you know, enough's enough. Now you're messing with the season. And, you know, Josh, you know, I don't think it's going to affect the Steelers in a negative way. I think today, obviously, they were they were getting off some steam. It was very similar to me, the atmosphere in the locker room and the response than when James Harrison left the team. Um, you know, he asked for his release last December. Now, obviously, he never came back to the team. Le'Veon will have to come back to the Steelers, you would imagine, at some point. You know, you're hearing rumors it could be six games. You're hearing rumors it could be ten games. Um, again, I'm those are all rumors. The only things we know – is that he probably won't play Sunday, and that's it. And when he does come back, the Steelers are going to they're going to evaluate him. They're not going to not play him out of spite because I saw a lot of comments today. Oh, they shouldn't play him anymore. If the Steelers think Le'Veon can help them win, they're going to use Le'Veon. Um, but in terms of Sunday's game, Josh, I think a lot of people were thinking, okay, Steelers distracted could play down to the Browns. First of all, I don't think there is any playing down to anybody. Both teams are 0 and 0. Um, or zero and zero, you know, there is no, you can't really look at historical stuff when it's week one, you know, because both teams are new. 
there's new pieces on both sides. Yes, I get that Ben is out there, and and there's certain parts of both teams that are stall, you know, that are consistent. But overall, these are two zero and zero teams. So to me, I think this galvanizes the Steelers even more. And I think if if this does change anything in terms of their mindset Sunday, I think they want to prove even more, especially on the offensive side, they're more than Le'Veon Bell. Um, What are your thoughts on that, Josh? Again, I I think if it does impact the game at all, I don't think it's a negative to the Steelers. I think it actually could be a positive. Well, in terms of Le'Veon Bell, I mean, everybody's kind of come to terms with the fact that this is almost assuredly his last year with Pittsburgh. You know, even if even if he does play the season with Pittsburgh, you know, we get to the off season, they're not going to franchise tag him for a third season. They're not going to offer him the annual money that he was seeking. You know, so he's probably going to be a free agent, and they're probably going to part ways. As it relates to this specific week, I don't necessarily know that it's a big deal for the Steelers that he's not available. The fact that he's waited – until the final days to return before the regular season just does not support the fact that he's going to be that productive this weekend against the Browns. We look at the same scenario last year. He returned in the week leading up to the game. He went out and he had 10 carries for 32 yards or something like that. He just wasn't effective. You know, he hasn't been with the team. There's going to be some animosity, even if he does return at this point, it's just not going to, facilitate a a productive atmosphere initially. He may get back to his old ways throughout the course of the season, but it's not going to be this Sunday. It's just not. So I don't think it's that big of a deal for for the immediacy of this game. I think James Conner is a very talented running back. I'm very inspired, obviously, by, by what he's overcome in his own life. And that's what they're going to have to move forward with this week. I think he's their best chance for them to win, even if Le'Veon Bell were to some, somehow come back before Sunday's game. But, you know, I think there is really a chance for Pittsburgh to kind of overlook Cleveland. I agree that on paper these are not the same two teams. This is not the same Browns team as what we saw last year or the year before. But there are going to be players in the locker room that have this preconceived notion of kind of what the Browns are supposed to be because the Steelers have dominated this rivalry for so many years. It's going to be, you know, should be more competitive than what it has been in years past. But I still think that Pittsburgh in the back of their mind still sees Cleveland as like this little brother that they can continue to pick on. And I'm just not sure that this year's Cleveland team is necessarily the little brother that they've had over the past, you know, 19, 20 years since their return. I think this is a brother that's grown up a little bit and might actually be able to fight back and give some sort of a, of a fight on Sunday. And, and Josh, here's where I think if the Steelers did, and you still might be right. You still, might, because I, you know, specifically, I remember 14, you could have had, you, you could have said probably, Oh, you know, the, the Steelers overlooked Cleveland a little bit. This is the game where, the Steelers had a huge lead against Cleveland in week one. They escaped when Cleveland came back and actually tied the game late. Um, and then the Steelers played a rematch later in the year, and the Browns blew them out. Uh, it was a pretty bad loss and for the Steelers. And, but I, I think Ben – because that was kind of the, the thing that I kept going back to the last couple of days when Ben did his 
radio show on 93.7 that he does weekly during the season. And then today, Wednesday, when they open up the locker room to reporters, you know, Ben was, was adamant about how I'm focused on Cleveland because there were some questions. Are you going to talk to Le'Veon? Are you going to reach out to him? Are you going to call him, text him? He's like, listen, like, I'd like if he was here, but I have to get ready for the Browns. He was very complimentary about the Browns' defense, and we can kind of to break down the game, we can kind of start there. Um, you know, Ben talked about how the continuity, and Mike Tomlin said that the continuity of the Browns' defense, particularly at the linebacker position, you know, they both said that he, they think that the Browns are ready to kind of reap the, the fruit of that labor of being together, Jamie Collins specifically. And obviously they have a lot of respect for, for Miles Garrett, who finally is going to get his chance to play against Ben. I know you heard about that today. And, I, you know, I, I think that that's where I think the game's going to be won. Um, I, I think that the Browns are going to score some, you know, some points on offense. You know, I, th- I think the Steelers' defense will, will be able to hold its own. You know, and that's, that, that matchup to me is going to be way more interesting. Um, you know, it, I don't know, actually. We can kind of – I'm going to shift things a little bit, Josh. What, what match are you more excited to see Sunday? I think I'm more excited to see, you know, the offense, ver- the Steeler offense versus the Browns defense. But I'm also excited to see what the defense versus the Steelers offense, you know, or what the, what the Steelers defense against the Browns offense looks like. Because on, on, the, on the Browns defensive side and the Pittsburgh offensive side, you've got two pretty established groups. And it's safe to say that the Browns' defense is, at this point, the strength of their team. And the Steelers' offense, it's safe to say, is the strength of their team. So you're getting two established, pretty polished groups going out there. And then when you see the Steelers' defense and the Browns' offense, you're seeing two moving parts that are that are, are far from the finished product that will probably be later in the season. Um, so I don't know which one I'm actually more excited to see. I think I'm more excited to see – what the Steelers' defense is going to look like against that Browns' offense. Um, but I think it's close. What, what say you, Josh? I've been very optimistic about what the defense can bring to the table based on how much activity I've seen from them this offseason. It's a, it's a group that's been highly motivated. Um, you know, they when they have actually had the first team on the field, it's been very productive. So I am cautiously optimistic with the Browns' defense. And as you said, I probably have a little bit more confidence in them early in the season because it's largely a returning unit versus the Browns' offense, which does have so many moving pieces. I think when you look at the offense, there are a lot of reasons to be excited about what they bring to the table. You've got a consistent quarterback with Tyrod Taylor. You've got Jarvis Landry. You've got Josh Gordon. You've got first-round tight end pick David Njoku. You've got Carlos Hyde, the second-round running back, Nick Chubb in the backfield, Duke Johnson. And, you know, the offensive line is pretty much the same with the exception of Joe Thomas at left tackle, which is nothing to overlook. That's a very big thing. Cleveland is still unsettled at the left tackle position. And, you know, we there are all these moving pieces, a lot of those guys that I just mentioned are new. You're including offensive coordinator Todd Haley. So I don't expect them to be the finished product that, you know, that you might see from the defense as the season opens. But I think by the end of the season, with as much talent as they have on that side of the ball, it should be a pretty competitive unit. So as it relates to this Sunday specifically, 
I would say I'm probably more excited to see um, the Steelers deep or the Steelers offense versus the Browns defense because those are more of a finished product right now. At the same time, I, I don't know that you can really say you're excited to see the Steelers offense as a, as an opposing fan or writer, or however you want to view it, because I just don't know that there's any sort of cornerback in the NFL that can possibly slow down Antonio Brown. He's just such a productive wide receiver. He has, he just pays tremendous attention to the little details in his, in his game. He's fast. You know, he's, he's not the tallest guy, but he's just this fantastic receiver that is a nightmare for opposing teams. So I don't know that I can necessarily say, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to see the Steelers offense on the field because that's probably trouble for your defense. But in terms of a competitive outlook on this game, I think that will be fun to watch because whereas we might see more development from the Steelers defense and the Browns offense throughout the course of the year, the Browns defense and the Steelers offense right now are the two units that are, that are most likely to produce this Sunday for their respective teams. So I, I definitely agree with you in that regard. Yeah, and, and I like a lot of the points that you made there, Josh. And uh, I'm ex- really excited to see and, – and that's, again, what Mike Tomlin said, talking about Browns offense, Steelers defense. Tomlin was like, you know, particularly the Browns offense, he was saying things like, you know, you know it's, it's really a new team. You know, the Browns' continuity on defense makes them dangerous, and the Browns' newness on offense makes them dangerous. So for different reasons – uh, both units could be a, a very formidable challenge for the Steelers. And I think that's why, again, I think the Steelers are – and sure, there might be a few guys on the team that are like, whatever, it's the Browns. But I think Joe Hayden understands the significance of what a Cleveland win over Pittsburgh would do. Um, you know, the, actually, Josh, I, outside of Joe Thomas, he's probably the, the Browns' best number one pick since 99, correct? Joe Hayden. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could make a and, case you know, for I, Alex Mack, too, obviously, but... Yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. It's a good point. But, but, you know, I think I think they understand the significance of what this could mean to the Browns, for sure. And I think, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting. You know, and Mike Tomlin said, even with Tyrod Taylor, you know, his mobility is a challenge. And the Steelers did face Taylor in 16. Now the Steelers won, but Taylor was able to put up 20 points and made some plays with his legs, threw two touchdowns, also threw a pick. When he was the Bills quarterback, the Steelers won 28-20. Um, you know, looking back on week one last year, Steelers won 28-118. But the Steelers, you know, it was, a, it was a tough game. It was a tough game for them offensively. Le'Veon didn't get going, 32 yards, 10 carries. They didn't have the faith in Connor that they do now. Uh, ben played pretty well. But it, it, took a, it took an amazing Antonio Brown catch late. It took a block punt for a touchdown from, from the Steelers. And it took, you know, a couple of things that went their way, and a T.J. Watt interception late in his first NFL game to win that game. That's why I think if, if I'm going into this game, I'm thinking it's, it's going to be low scoring. I do think James Conner being vastly improved will help the Steelers, but the Browns' defense certainly has gotten better too. Um, and, I, and I think that, I think the Steelers' offense can score 17 to 20 points. I, I, I'm confident they can probably get 20. Uh, now, let me ask you this, Josh. I, I think the Steelers will score 20 on Sunday. Do you, can the Browns' offense and will they score over 20? And it, can and they? Absolutely. So, how? Yeah. 
No, I absolutely how, think how they can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you look at their offense, uh, they they certainly have the pieces um, to get the job done. I mean, you've got players at every position that can, you know, break open a game with just by getting the ball in their hands one play. Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, Steelers don't have two cornerbacks that can cover those guys. I mean, it's just realistic. And then what are you, who are you going to put on David and Joku? I mean, the linebackers are in flux. The whole defense is just kind of moving pieces at this point. So, I mean, I don't think Cleveland's a juggernaut by any means on, on offense, but they have enough talent individually that they're going to win a lot of their individual matchups this weekend. Um, you know, and if, if you get the ball in the right place at the right time, Tyrod Taylor is an accurate quarterback, puts the ball in the right place. You know, who's to say that they're they're not going to make the most of it and find the end zone? It's just I don't know the way it's going to happen on Sunday, but I certainly think that they have the talent to take advantage of some matchups, absolutely. I agree with you, and I think that um, – and, again, I didn't see a ton of the Browns' you know action this preseason, but, you know, it, it looks like Taylor's got great leadership – Again, if things break down, he's got his mobility. I think that's one thing him and Baker Mayfield possess is that mobility. Obviously, Taylor's more known for it. Um, you know, Landry's a very gifted receiver. He can make a ton of catches. I think he did lead the NFL with 112 catches last season. I think he brings an edge to the team. And that's one thing that, you know, Mike Tomlin gave Jarvis Landry. I think a lot of NFL or football players in general, when someone says you're not just a great receiver or a great X whatever position you are, but you're a great football player, I think that carries a lot of weight. I think that's kind of the ultimate compliment you can give somebody. And that's what Tomlin gave Jarvis Landry this week. He said, you know, he is, you know, the you know, he is a football player and he gives the Browns an edge that I think helps them. And and, and again, you know, Tomlin said it a few times. He's like, you know, we're not not familiar with Tyrod Taylor. We are with him in Cleveland, but we've seen him. Same thing with Jarvis Landry. The Steelers faced him, you know, twice in 16, once in the regular season with the Dolphins, and again in the playoffs. Steelers were one of one in those games, won the playoff game, lost badly in the regular season game. Landry played well in that regular season win for the Dolphins. And um, now, I think the Steelers' secondary is, you're, I think might be shortchanging him a little bit. I, I think Cleveland's receivers will win a lot of those matchups and maybe more than not. But I, and I, and I think if you look at, you know, Steelers secondary right now versus Browns receivers, I, I give you the Browns receivers in that battle. That being said, I think Artie Burns had a very strong summer. Again, he's got to prove it now. And again, as you said, uh, the Steelers receiver or defensive backs are, it is a little bit in flux with Trell Edmonds, you know, started the season as, as a free safety. Now on the depth chart, he's a strong safety uh, you know, Morgan Burnett kind of battled with some injuries here and there. You know, so in, so in general, you know, there, there is some influx for sure with the Steelers secondary, and they usually have problems guarding the tight ends. You know, uh, their first preseason game, Dallas Goddard, uh, the Eagles' uh, number one pick, a tight end, did very well against the Steelers, had a touchdown and, and a big catch. So, yes, I agree with you. Um, I, I, and the Steelers did struggle against the run last year. So that's something, and, and I think they've certainly improved in that aspect. They did cut Josh Frazier, the seventh-round pick from Alabama, who they were hoping uh, could compete. But Dan McCullers, the seventh-round pick from a few years ago, uh, had a good uh, training camp. LT Walton looked good, and obviously they've got Hargrave, you know, Alu Alu, um, and, and Hayward, who was an All-Pro last year. Um, I think the Steelers defensively are going to have to rely on their stars. Uh, 
you know, uh, on defense, well, I think on both sides of the ball, but particularly on defense, to kind of, uh, you know, carry the load. I think some of the young players could struggle. I think it could be a welcome to the NFL moment for guys like Edmonds, uh, Marcus Allen, their fifth-round pick. I don't think you'll see him on defense at all. If, if, if so, very little. I think he'll mostly do special teams. Um, he, he, he scratched to make the 53-man roster. Again, he dealt with injuries during the summer. But I, I agree, Josh. I, I think that the Browns' offense is very capable of scoring 20 points. Now, on the other side of the ball, um, and again, I think if, if we went back and forth, you know, I think the Steelers' D-line is going to have to play really, really well. Because, uh, again, I do think that the, Steel, that the Browns' passing attack will give the Steelers fits. I think the Steelers have to shut down Chubb and the Browns' running a game. I don't think I don't think the Steelers win if the Browns can, can have success against the run. The Steelers have to shut that down. And I think they have to get pressure on Taylor, and I think they will. I think if the Steelers win, one of the things we'll be talking about is the Steelers got pressure on, on the Browns' passers and forced turnovers. I, and that's, that's kind of been the story, right? I mean, when, when the Steelers have won these games, it's been turnovers and getting pressure on the Browns' quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, just to even mention the Browns' quarterbacks, you're kind of identifying the issue of this rivalry over right. the past you know, right. 19 years since their return. We Everybody's familiar with the, the jersey that's got all the names on the back of the starting quarterbacks <laughs> that – you know, have been in Cleveland, that's very well documented. But I think Tyrod Taylor is, you know, he's not the transcendent talent that, you know, a Ben Roethlisberger might be or, you know, some of the other elite quarterbacks in the NFL. But he's, if nothing else, a very accurate and consistent quarterback that's that's probably about middle of the road in the NFL, um, if, I had to, if I had to break that down. But he's going to put this team in position to – do some things that previous quarterbacks have not been able to do. I trust him to make good decisions with the football that we have not seen from Deshaun Kaiser or Cody Kessler was a little different. He was, he was a little more limited from the talent perspective, but he was, he was pretty good with protecting the football. So I'll focus more on the Deshaun Kaisers, um, the Johnny Manziel's, the Brandon Whedon's, um, you know, the list goes on and on. A lot of those guys just, put the ball in harm's way and you can't do that if you want to be successful in today's NFL. So I have a lot more faith in what they have at the quarterback position this year than what they've had in the past. But part of that is going to be dictated by what happens on the left side of their offensive line right now, because you don't have Joe Thomas, the future hall of fame offensive tackle at left tackle anymore. Hugh Jackson has said, you know, he doesn't know if he's going to put Joel Batonio, the, Pro Bowl caliber left left guard at left tackle, or if he's going to put undrafted free agent Desmond Harrison at left tackle. And Harrison has looked impressive, but he's got no experience in the NFL, so that could be challenging for him. But as far as just the quarterback play in general, I feel much better about where they are at this stage of the year compared to where they've been just about in any other year since their return in 1999 against the Steelers. Well, definitely, and I think in general both teams have a, a good uh, plan at quarterback. You've got your your veteran Tyrod that could be a starter for the next couple of years, and you've got Baker who could play this season if there was an injury to, to, to Tyrod or he struggled for whatever reason. Um, I think that the Browns have a very good thing in place there, and it seems like they get along. Again, I only saw one hard knock, but it looked like they were 
that the least they were, you know, Tyrod and Baker were cordial, if not friendly and or friends. Um, 29 years old, mature, but certainly not an old quarterback yet. Taylor could certainly have, you know, and, and again, led the, the Bills to the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, last season, or at least was their starting quarterback for most of those wins. So I don't think got enough credit for the success that the Bills had when he was there. I think he played a, a very instrumental role in that. Um, and the Steelers, you know, they did not go with Landry Jones. Um, on the 53, they went with Dobbs and Mason Rudolph. And, and I love it. I love it because not I mean Landry was actually had the highest completion percentage of any Steeler quarterback in the preseason. But, you know, the Steelers know what they have with Landry, and I don't think they quite know. I know they don't know quite what they have with Dobbs. How can you know? He's only in his second season. He hasn't played in a regular season game. He is now Ben's number two. And Ben has challenged him to, uh, you know, do the things off the field that Landry would do. When Ben has a question in the film room or on the sidelines, he expects Dobbs to have an answer for him. So it's going to be interesting for Dobbs. I think he's certainly up to the challenge. I think he's fired up that he won the job. I think a lot of people um, confused him for maybe not caring that much about football because he has an aeronautical engineering degree, and I know he wants to use it at some point in his life. And, and I even remember a reporter this past week saying to him, you know, you know, what do you, what do you say to people that think that, that you're kind of just doing football for fun? And he's like, no, I want to play as long as I can. I've been playing since I was five. I don't know life without football. Um, so I think that Dawes is out to prove to people that he's serious about this football thing. And I'm excited about that. So to kind of put a bow on this one, Josh, I can't believe it. It's actually, we've already been out. We're at almost at 35 minutes on this pod. It's amazing how this flies. Um, we hope you guys have enjoyed it. We're not done yet. We want to get to a few other things, um, including predictions, which I'll get to kind of here and tie it into the Steelers offense versus Browns defense. I think we kind of agree, you know, Browns offense versus Steelers defense. It's going to come down to quarterback play and, particularly maybe the Browns receivers getting the better of a Steelers secondary that's in flux. And I think that they could do that. And if the Steelers get success, it's going to be against uh, that Browns offensive line that now does not have Joe Thomas. They do have Chris Hubbard, who, um, you know, the, the Browns did sign out. The Steelers didn't even put up a fight. They knew he was leaving. And, uh, you know, a very well-liked player uh, in Pittsburgh. And I'm sure you'll see the post game him with a lot of his old teammates and whatnot catching up. But, Steelers offense versus Browns defense, um, and this is why I think the Steelers will win, but again, I think it'll be close. I, I think the Steelers defense can do enough to contain the Browns offense enough to win, and I think the Steelers offense, I just think there's too many weapons, and I do think the Browns defense has improved. I think they certainly showed last year they were capable of, of beating the Steelers, but uh, and, and get having, you know, and winning enough matchups defensively to win. But, you know, Juju wasn't Juju last year. James Washington had a very strong uh, summer. I think he can do some things. I think the Steelers' tight ends are motivated to do some things. Jesse James having, a con- you know, a contract year. I think the Steelers' offensive line is among the best in football. I mean, them, Dallas, maybe maybe Los Angeles. Um, you know, and I think they're motivated to show that they can get, uh, you know, another running back in a 100-yard game without Le'Veon Bell. And if the Steelers' offense is clicking, I think they're going to win. Um, and, again, they only had one possession together in the preseason, and, and there was some miscommunication. And, you know, you know Juju kind of ran, you know, some, some wrong routes and had a couple of drops, had a fourth down drop that stopped the drive that could, they could have scored on. But I think if the Steelers' offense gets clicking, they're not going to need the defense to play a perfect game. Because I, I think 
the Steelers' defense may allow, again, somewhere around 17 to 20 points. I, I, just, I think the Steelers have too many weapons on offense. And, and if they can get Ben, keep Ben clean, which I, I don't think will be an issue, and I think if they can get the offense in a rhythm with the weapons they have, I don't think that the Steelers are going to lose. And I think that – I think it will be close. But I think the Steelers win somewhere around the 26-17 to 17 kind of ball game. I'm inclined to say that Pittsburgh does win this game. Um, yeah, I'm I thought you'd go Brown. Confident I thought you'd go Brown. <laughs> see, I'm I'm one of those people yeah. that says, you know, you need to see something before you really start to believe it. And, you know, seeing the Browns win and even more specifically win against the Steelers almost feels like believing in Bigfoot at this stage. You know, you've got to see it if you're actually going to believe it, and that's kind of where I'm at with this right now. So while I think Cleveland has the talent on both sides of the ball to get this done and, you know, surprise people and get a victory in the first week of the season, I'm going to pick the Steelers until Cleveland proves me wrong, and that's just simply picking on the numbers. I mean, history just kind of supports that. So, you know, like I said, I think Cleveland should at least make this competitive, but I'm still going to pick the Steelers for opening week. Yeah, you know, and I think it's going to be a close game at the end of the day. And, again, I would not be shocked uh, if the Browns beat Pittsburgh. And, you know, I found it interesting what you said. You know, it's almost like believing in, in Bigfoot at this point. I, I think at the end of the day, too, that's something, Josh, that we haven't discussed yet. And I know we both have play, you know, played sports growing up. It's that mental thing of, of you know, you, there's a difference between being close and actually doing something and winning. And, you know, I, and that's where I think, you know, you look at the Browns record last year, 0-16, you think, God, they were, they were terrible. No, they were close in a lot of those games, including the two games against the Steelers that they, they easily could have won. I think that's another thing the Browns, you know, if it's close in the fourth quarter, do they actually believe they can win. And that's where I think, you know, the new guys, the Jarvis Jones, the Tyrod Taylors, the Chris Hubbards, other guys, Chubb and whatnot, Baker, even if he doesn't play, he'll be around the atmosphere and on the team. A lot of new faces that don't accept losing and weren't around, weren't there when all those losses to the Steelers happened. And I think that is something that could help the Browns if you overcome it. Conversely, there's no denying that isn't that is uh, an advantage for the Steelers going into this game, along with their talent on offense, is that they have been on the more of the winning side of this. So, uh, but yeah, Josh, uh, you know. I guess final thoughts on this game, uh, if you have any. I'm excited for one. I think it'll be an exciting game. I think it'll be a good game, and I think it'll be a game that um, either way, you know, if the Browns win, That I think that would do a lot for them uh, going forward. And I even think if the Steelers win this game, and the Steelers have said it, hey, this is an AFC North game, and they look at all AFC North games the same, whether it's Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Baltimore. And this is the Steelers' traditional classic rival after all. Well, I think it does a lot for both teams, but I certainly think it would do a little bit more for the Browns if they were to win this game. Yeah, I don't know how much I'm buying the whole, you know, this game is just as important as, as any other <laughs> game because I feel like Pittsburgh is, you know, they've had their rivalry against Cincinnati and their rivalry against Baltimore, and Cleveland's just kind of been an afterthought. So, you know, they may be trained to say that, but I certainly don't think that Cleveland's on – the same level as how they view those other two, but, you know, maybe conversely in Cleveland, they do look at this more like, 
you know, it, every game is important because every game has been important. They've won one game over the last two years. You can't really afford to overlook anything at this point. I think the biggest area that Pittsburgh can exploit this weekend is probably going to be Cleveland's secondary on uh, the defensive side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball. We've talked about it extensively. I think it's going to be the left tackle position. I don't even know who's going to play there at this point. It's probably going to be Joel Batonio, but I don't know that for sure. But that's probably an area that Cleveland might have a little bit of weakness this weekend. Um, Conversely, Pittsburgh's running game doesn't scare me much at all. Um, But I'm – would be definitely I would definitely be terrified of the passing game for the simple fact that again I think Cleveland's cornerback group leaves a little bit to be desired right now you've got the young rookie Denzel Ward um, manning one of the starting spots and then you've got kind of some journeyman veterans manning the other roles but then you've got you've got Juju on the other side you've got Antonio Brown and you've got James Washington all these guys that look like they have a lot of talent or have displayed that they have a lot of talent in the NFL. And that's certainly an area that that Pittsburgh can exploit this weekend. So those are probably the two areas that I think Cleveland is probably going to be given the the biggest challenges this, this upcoming weekend. Um, And that's really, you know, all, all going to come down to game planning. It doesn't have to be a straight cornerback versus wide receiver matchup. That's what you've got linebackers and safeties for to kind of neutralize some of those built-in advantages that other teams might have. So if Cleveland does a good enough job at game planning against Pittsburgh's weapons, you know, there's anything could really happen. But, you know, just from a, a talent standpoint and probably the biggest weakness that either team faces this weekend, it's probably going to be that Cleveland secondary that presents the biggest challenge for them, not only against the Steelers, but moving throughout the course of the season. Yeah, and one thing we didn't talk about was special teams. Think about last year, the punt block for a touchdown. Uh, Chris Boswell ultimately kicked the game-winning field goal. So, you know, those are other things that we didn't talk about, but ultimately are going to have a big role uh, in what happens on sun- in Sunday's game. And really – I think when we really look at it, the Steelers should win this game, despite the fact that the Browns are better and that they should be a better team and will be a better team this season. But ultimately, it comes down to uh, you know, whether or not they can make all the right plays in all three phases to win turnovers. I sound like Jim Trestle right now. <laughs> but although a you coach for those uninitiated. And you know, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, the Steelers should win. But football is a crazy sport. You never know what can happen. Browns run back a kick. Browns block a punt. Browns block a field goal. Um, you know, all those things could play in their in their factor, and that and that's why they play the game at the end of the day. Greg Williams, a really good defensive coordinator. Todd Haley there. I think there is excitement around Cleveland, and I think it's going to be an exciting game. So um, that'll do it for this installment of the show. It was a lot of fun. It was fun to talk about two teams that we know a lot about. You know, um, and we'll do this next week. Uh, We're going to try to get a consistent time for this season, and uh, when we do, we'll let you know. And uh, for all your news on the Steelers and the Browns and the other AFC North teams, for Josh, this is Brian uh, signing off. Enjoy Sunday's game, and we'll talk to you about that game in a week on our next show.